Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, we've all heard it said that a picture is worth a thousand words. Recently, I was on Block Island. I was able to take this picture as a friend and I enjoyed this beautiful, beautiful sunset. Sitting there, we both just looked at it and said, ah. And we said, thanks be to God for the beauty of the creation. Many, many times a picture, a visual image, can indeed convey an an idea, an emotion, much, much, much more quickly and effectively than the written word. This next symbol is one that goes across language barriers. It is recognized around the world. During armed conflict, this Red Cross symbol means that this person or the vehicle, the building, the equipment, it is not part of the fight. They are providing impartial assistance. The emblem provides protection for military, medical units, transportation of the wounded, and humanitarian aid. The Global Red Cross emphasizes and utilizes this emblem to signify our promise to voluntary, neutral, and impartial assistance to all people in need, regardless of race, religion, or citizenship. All of that in the one symbol. And who of us, while traveling or otherwise, has not been delighted to see this symbol? Because we know immediately what it means. And if you've been uh, traveling and you have no idea where you're going, you don't have to ask questions. You just look for the symbol and you just know that it conveys important information and relief. Pictures and images convey an idea, an emotion, and can serve as a launching pad for our thoughts and our imaginations. When we were really, really young, our parents or grandparents or others would read to us. And it's very, very doubtful that any of us remember those early, early times because, well, we were just too young. When they first started reading to us, we had no idea. And as we grew a little bit, we were probably more interested in eating the book than we were about looking even at the pictures or the words, certainly the words, because we couldn't read the words. And the words, we couldn't under, may not have understood them, but we knew that the book was there and we just liked to hear the sound of the person that was reading to us. But pretty soon, those pictures came alive. And we, as children, began to read the book by pointing to the pictures and recognizing there were words there, but those didn't matter, we were able to read the pictures and tell the story to somebody else. Pictures told the story. Down through the history, churches have used pictures, often in the form of stained glass windows, to tell the story. The windows, the pictures, allow people who often could not read to see the story the stories from Scripture, to see God's stories, biblical truths, and promises. And over these last four weeks, we have been exploring our stained glass windows in the sanctuary, each one of them telling a story, one of the stories, the biblical stories, the stories, the truth of God through illustration. Now, I'm going to review briefly the first, the first four windows for us today. The first one that we looked at, and you can only see this if you're looking at the screen or if you're standing up here and looking at the back wall. 
Many people early on didn't realize that there were stained glass windows in the back. But this one reminds us of the Great Commission, reminding us as followers of Christ that we are to go into all of the world to preach the gospel to the whole creation. We who believe and are baptized will be saved, it says, but those who do not believe will be condemned. The window also serves as a promise from God that I am with you always to the close of the age. The cross that is in the middle of the window frame is restating that image of the cross of our faith. The descending dove in the center, representing the illustration of the Holy Spirit. The waters of baptism flow around the edges, the blue. The book of the word is open in the window at the bottom half. And Jesus looks down and enfolds the world, reaching around the window circumference from the upper left quadrant. All promises that carry us out and go with us as we go out into the world from this place, go into the world again. Then we began with the next looking at the two windows that were on the side. They're also on the back wall. They portray the acts of Christian mercy. The one on my left talks about, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Matthew 25 says, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the least of these, you have done it to me. As we sort of go through the pictures, you'll see that there is the sheep, the wool fabric, the multitudes of foods that we enjoy, pumpkins and corn and apples and eggplant. I understand some people do like eggplant. The tassels of grain, they are all there to remind us that God is plentiful in the food that he has given to us and that we are to share. Then on the other side, on my right, here on the back side on the right, the jugs of water, fresh water being poured out, two sets of hands, I was thirsty. The hands reach out in supplication and welcome. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. There is a chain of bondage that trails through the right and briefly into the left to represent that I was in prison and you came to me and the flowers at the bottom, talking about the echinacea, the bolstering, the immune system. I was sick, and you visited me. And then last Sunday, we went to the picture that are the windows that were here on the front on my right. They are talking about the new creation, or the old, excuse me, they're talking about the creation of the Old Testament as told through Genesis. Let there be light. And it represents the creation of the day and night, the separation of darkness and light. The water separated from the dry land, portraying all the wa- you know, like the walls in the, sta- in, the, in the Grand Canyon, all of the separation of the dry land. The fourth through the sixth panels talk about the plant forms, the, an animal, an antelope, and finally Adam, the new first creation who was made in the likeness of God. Those are the ones that are portrayed for us through the Old Testament, the beginning on our front. 
Now, if you missed any of these sermons in their full, you can go to the website and see them all. And at the end of today, there will also be a handout, uh, if you would like to pick up, that give you a synopsis of what the various windows mean. Now today, we are going to look at the one on my left up here. And this one is talking about the new creation, new life in the New Testament. Last week, we started at the top and went to the bottom. This week, we are starting at the bottom and we will go to the top. This window represents new life, new creation as found in the New Testament. At the very, very bottom is a baby held in the gentle hands, new life in all of its potential. The new Adam is above the man. The third panel is talking about being washed in the waters of baptism, being poured out for us in the nautilus shell. And then above, the multitude of fishes, reminding us of the gathering of Christian souls throughout ministry. Jesus spoke to his early disciples, I will make you fishers of men, he said. And then moving up one more panel, the one next to the top, the resurrection, represented by the butterfly, which emerges transformed from the grave like a cocoon. And then at the very, very top, the light of the new Jerusalem, shining as it is in the vision of the apostle John that was read for us, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now, I want you to see, because in our chancel, we have a wall in between these two windows. But as I go through this little next section, I want you to see the two panels side by side. And I want you to note that there are similarities of themes going across from one panel to the other. Now, I have looked at these panels of, in the front for over 20-some years. I have enjoyed them, I have been embraced by them, and I have seen the beauty of them. And they call me back every single time to be able to see the truths, the stories that they portray. The Old and the New Testament, portrayed in the vibrant colors, especially as the sun shines through them and the images emerge. And as we all do with art, we begin to fill in our own impressions. And over the years, I have reshaped, I realized, this fifth window into Jesus' story. His birth, his baptism, his ministry. So when I looked at this last window, I saw Jesus Christ as the baby. I saw Jesus Christ being baptized. I saw Jesus Christ multiplying the fish and the loaves. I saw his resurrection, his ascension. I saw them all, which indeed is the story of the New Testament. We always have the empty cross above us. And that reminds us that indeed is the empty cross. Christ is no longer there, but Christ is with us. He rose. Indeed, as I reimagined this fifth window being the story of Jesus, all of it is true because we see that in the New Testament. And yet when I read and I studied the words of the artist, I realized that this fifth window is our story. 
Our story as believers in Christ, our stories of the new life, our story of being a new creation in Christ, our story of baptism, our story of ministry, our story of resurrection, our story of ascension into eternal life. The words and the promises of Scripture tell us and they echo true. If anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And then in 1 Peter 1.4, in God's great mercy, God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are. We are the new creations. We are the ones that have been given new birth. We are the ones that have been given a new identity as fresh and full in all the potential of that new infant when they are born. When we think about the birth of a child, there is so much that is unknown beyond just the what or the who will that child look like. But we think about, well, what personality will that child have? What skills and interests will that child have? What will they be like in their youth as an adult? What career might they choose? How will they be thought of? What will be their legacy? So much potential. As followers of Jesus, our identity is through Jesus Christ. As we celebrate our new birth, our new life in Christ, these same and very same questions and some of the very unknowns are also before us. Again, Scripture tells us that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Now, I want you to think for just a moment. If you could start new and fresh in any area of your life, undo something that is broken, something is not working, what might that be? I know that I'm not the only one that messes up. But perhaps you would like to start fresh in a broken or a strained relationship or how you are treating someone, or even how you are thinking about someone. What changes would you make? How would you start differently in that relationship? There are a lot of things in our lives that we cannot change, but there are a lot that we can. We cannot change our DNA or our genetics. That we're stuck with. But we can change how we behave, how we treat one another, how we respond to someone. And I'm not trying to say, let's change the other person. I've spent a lot of time in my life trying to figure that out. How can I change that other person? Especially when my brother and I would have tensions. How can I change him? It finally dawned on me, no, Diane, you change. You change. I'm asking each and every one of us to look inside ourselves today into our own actions, our own behaviors. What part of the old needs to be left behind? 
What part of the old needs to be left behind that you no longer want to carry it with you? When I was seeing a counselor many, many years ago and I was preparing to move from the Midwest out here to the East Coast, one of the questions that he said to me is, Diane, how much of the garbage are you going to take with you? I said, well, I'm really cleaning out the rooms, I'm really cleaning out. No, Diane, how much of the garbage inside of you are you going to carry with you? And how much are you going to leave here? It opened my eyes and thought, whoa, he was right. What part of the old is holding you back from becoming the new of what Christ invited you to become? What's holding you back? Is it fear or insecurities? Is it giving up power or control? We have the assurance of forgiveness of sin when we confess it to God. We know that. We know that in our heads. Sometimes we understand that even in our hearts. That's the promise that we are being given by Christ. Our birth, our new birth, our birth in Jesus Christ is the beginning, but it's only the beginning. Just as an infant begins to grow and takes on new characteristics and new strengths and learns and grows, so do we as Christians. We begin, as we accept Christ, that lifelong process of growing, becoming more and more like Jesus in the way that we view others, the way that we treat others, the way that we view and we treat ourselves. It's easy, so easy in our culture and our environment, though it's certainly nothing that is new. We've seen it passed down through the ages, putting labels on people. Sometimes the labels focus around our careers or professions, student, intern, apprentice, retired. Sometimes those labels refer to personalities, quiet, loud, kind, aggressive, outgoing, reserved. Yet all too often, all too often the labels that we pin on one another are much more divisive. And I find myself doing it. Oh, there, they're conservative, they're liberal, they're contemporary, they're traditional, they're right-wing, they're left-wing, they're Democrat, they're Republican, they're biker, they're rappers. You can add all the others that you want. Oftentimes the labels are things that, uh, that we put on others that, to identify them as not being like us. Words, labels, oftentimes are meant to separate and divide us. Those who are different from us. And yet, when we look at the scriptures and we see how Jesus called his disciples to him, look at the people that he gathered around him. Look at the people that he called into ministry. Tax collectors despised by everybody. Nobody liked them. And few of us like them today. Fishermen. Women. Samaritans, doctors, individuals across economic as well as ethnic and sexual lines. Jesus called them and brought them to him to minister to them and to minister to others. 
In Galatians 3, we read that for all of you who are baptized in Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. We are a new creation. God has created us new through himself. And as that new creation, God has given us a new purpose. And that crosses the barriers, the walls of the culture and others have put up, the walls that we have made that can so easily be taken down. Christ crosses all barriers. As Jesus was walking along the side of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, come, follow me. Follow me, and I will bring you and give you the opportunity to become fishers of people, men and women, boys and girls. Jesus called them and sent them out. Jesus called them to a new purpose in life, a new mission. And Jesus called his friends and told his friends that they were to be the light of the world. And that meant not to be just a little tiny pin light, but that meant to be a bright light. To shine brightly in ways that would point people to the love and the power of God. Just as our stained glass windows reveal are, are revealed in their full glory, only when the light shines through them, and you need to come at the, when the sun is in the west and coming through these windows, it is magnificent. Or if you're here early on a morning, you can see the back window walk its way across as the sun shifts and changes. It is magnificent. We are to be like these windows. When the light shines through them, Christ is in us, illuminating us, our true identity and our true purpose. Because we are created in God's image to be that light to the world through the acts of mercy and kindness that we do, through the acts of our words, through our actions, the words that come out of our mouth. Each time we bring a word out of our mouth, we should be thinking, oh my gosh, is, would God be happy with this? If not, we bring it to God in confession. When we shine brightly, we fulfill our purpose of being those fishermen, of men, of women, of boys, of girls, bringing people to know Jesus Christ. When I was growing up, I was in about third grade, and it suddenly dawned on me that the people in my church were different than people that I, basically the ones I had lived with. The way they interacted with people were so different. And I said to myself as a third grader, I don't know what, they, what it is. I don't know what's different. But whatever it is, I want it. That's when I became a Christian. Because I found what, and discovered what they had was the love for one another. Oh, they weren't perfect, believe me. 
but they showed and demonstrated the love of God with one another, the way they treated one another. We are to be called the light of the world. That is our purpose through God, to be the one that shines out brightly, showing others that Jesus Christ is alive, that God is powerful. It has been our hope as a staff that these, through this series of looking and exploring of these different windows, that they will be a launching pad for you into the scriptures, using the artistic portrayal that they bring, that they will help you to continue to discover God's plan for each and every one of us, for you. And so whether you look at this fifth window and you see the life and the ministry of God and Jesus Christ, or you see also your own, your own ministry, your own life, being transformed through the love and the grace and the power of Jesus Christ, we hope that these windows will help you to shine through and help you to bring others, that they might shine, that you might shine into the dark places of our world. Our world is dark, and it desperately needs to have the light, the joy, and the hope of Jesus Christ illuminated. Join me in prayer. Our heavenly and gracious creator God, you created the heavens, you created the earth, you created the fish of the waters and the birds of the air and all of the animals and the plants of the land and the sea. You created us. In your image, you created us and you breathed into us the breath of life, your life, your breath, your spirit, your heart. You continue to transform us and give us new birth. And you send us forth as new creations to be your light, your example of love and compassion to a hurting world. May it be so. May it be so, Lord God. Amen.